Take your copy of God's inspired, inerrant, infallible, absolute, authoritative, preserved word of God in the English language. That's the Bible right here. And I want you to turn in your Bibles, not turn them in, but turn to Acts chapter 21 and 22, somewhere in that area. And then I want to move to 1 Corinthians 15. Don't you stand? I'm going to read a lot of verses here, and then we'll go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Acts chapter 21, look at verse 39. And I can't go back and give all the background here, but Paul has been beaten and accused of things that he did not do and hadn't done. And so he goes in here giving his testimony that what happened in chapter 9 of Acts. In verse 39 it says, But Paul said, I am a man which am a Jew of Tarsus, the city of Cilicia, a citizen of no mean city. And I beseech thee, suffer me to speak unto the people. <clears throat> And when he had given him license, Paul stood on the stairs and beckoned with his hand unto the people. And when, there was, and when there was a great silence, he spake to them in the Hebrew tongue, saying, Men and brethren, fathers, hear you my defense, which I now make known unto you. When they heard that he spake in the Hebrew tongue to them, they kept the more silence. And he saith, I am verily a man which am a Jew, born in Tarsus, a city of Cilicia, yet brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers, and was zealous toward God, as ye all are this day. Now before we read any further, catch, here's some things I want you to look for. I want you to look for Paul's testimony before he was saved, right. when Paul got saved. Uh, I want you to see when Paul was baptized. I want you to see how God's called him to be a witness. Because when I get finished with all this, I want to give my testimony and it's going to sound like it's about me, but I don't know any other way to give my testimony. <laughs> and, and, but it's not. It's about what God has done. And so I want you to see this. All right, now, where was that? Verse, uh, verse 4. And I persecute this way unto the death, binding and delivering unto the prisons both men and women, as also the high priest doth bear me witness in all the estate of the elders, from whom also I received letters unto the brethren, and went to Damascus to bring them which were there bound unto Jerusalem for to be punished. And it came to pass that as I made my journey and was come nigh unto Damascus about noon, suddenly there was shown from heaven a great light round about me, and I fell upon the ground, unto the ground, and heard a voice saying unto me, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And I answered, Who art thou, Lord? And he said unto me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. And they that were with me saw indeed the light and were afraid, but they heard not the voice of him that spake to me. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said unto me, Arise and go unto Damascus, and there it shall be told thee of the all things which are appointed for thee to do. And when I could not see for the glory of that light being led by the hand of them that were with me, I came unto Damascus. And one Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, having a good report of all the Jews which dwelt there, came unto me and stood and said unto me, Brother Saul, receive thy sight. In the same hour I looked up upon him. And he said, The God of our fathers hath chosen thee, that thou shouldest know his will, and see the just one, and shouldest hear the voice of his mouth. And thou shalt be his witness unto all men of what thou hast seen and heard. And now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized, and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Father, I do pray you'll work in a way tonight, God, that you're going to have to or I'll mess it up. I just pray, God, you would. Speak to our hearts. Help people already be willing to do whatever it is you may speak to them about, challenge them about, uh, that they'd write it down, even if it's during the service, or take care of it. But God, that you would be glorified. We'd know you met with us tonight, not just in feelings, but in the truth of the Scripture. And I ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Take your Bible and 
go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul is preaching here. And you know in verse 15, one on down through there, he gives the gospel. So we understand what the gospel is. But to go with the verses I just read, I want you to look at verse 9 and 10. Chapter 9 says, For I am the least of the apostles, that am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecute the church of God. Verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Years ago, I got saved March 16, 1975. Got married August 16, 1980. Somewhere maybe five or so years after that, I was just meditating and thinking about what good things God had done in our life. And I went back to my early days I got saved and the friends that got saved in that first period of time that I got saved. My best friends. And a lot of them, God used me to have a part in their salvation. I remember them getting saved. I remember them getting baptized. Some of them getting married and all those kind of things. And I look back on it and every one of them after that short amount of time was already divorced. Some of them twice. Already out of church. And I remember thinking, why am I still here? One of my, Rocky was one of my friends. Rocky, uh, his parents didn't even, when I came up to his house, they didn't even want me coming. I mean, I was the mean one. <laughs> and yet here I was, by God's grace, still living for God. And so I was very earnestly meditating about that and thinking about that and, and saying, God, help me. I don't, I don't want this to mess up. I, I don't want to fail. And by the way, I pray that every day. I don't want to fail. You say, are you doing something you should, shouldn't do? I don't know. I just know this. I've seen too many people fall by the wayside. Too many Christians in church aren't doing what they ought to be doing. And so I, I don't want that to be the case. I want to be able to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And, uh, you know, we live in a world that's changing and everybody's getting lazy about, I, I'm going to get mean in a few minutes. Right now I'm still trying to, okay. You know, but we, we I mean, this thing's about serving God is serious. And our world needs to wake up to that. So anyway, at that period of time, the word grace flashed through my heart and mind. It's the grace of God. But I also felt like God started putting some things in my mind that said, you, you did this, you did this, you did that. I labored more, but I'm not talking about laboring more abundantly, but I'm saying there were some things. By the way, you don't just get some little spiritual spoof of dust. You get saved, just life's la, la, la. We've got to put some things, put some leather on feet. How's that go about your feet? And we've got to do some things for God, amen? amen. So first thing that it put in my mind was this. Catch this. A no soul salvation. First John 5, 13 says, These things are written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe in Him. I want a no soul salvation. So catch this. Here I was, a heathen 17-year-old hillbilly in Kentucky. I quit school when I was 15. I quit school because I didn't like it. <laughs> no, I quit school when I was 15. I was a junior in high school and, uh, and I just wanted to farm. I mean, when they would have field trip days to go to Mammoth Cave, something like that, I'd go drive a tractor. That's a whole lot more fun to me, farming and plowing and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, so I was, I, I was a junior. I quit school. I moved out of the house. I had a stepdad at the time. My father had died when I was five years old in a car wreck. 1963, he was killed in a car wreck. And uh, I knew there was a God because for all those years, I was actually mad at God for taking my dad. And so uh, this plays into my salvation story. But my older sister, Sharon, uh, Meredith, she got saved, started trying to reach all of us. 
So anyway, here we are. I'm, I'm, I quit school. And I'm, I'm, I'm living on my own, doing the whatever, you know. And, and I lived in Kentucky. And, and, and uh, my brother-in-law, I have six sisters, so you don't know which one I'm talking about. But one of them, where he lived, we could look out his door and see five, and I'm not promoting this. I'm just telling you this, five working moonshine steels. And that's the kind of life he was raised in, you know. And so here, here this life is. And, and uh, my sister would always ask me to go to church. By the way, don't ever quit asking people to go to church. Uh, she'd get me to go as a junior boy. I, I lived in a little country place. I'm telling you, I, I, I know I'm, I'm, I should have been born in the 1800s or something. I know I'm different. So she taught me into going one day and the first day in Sunday school, the 11 year old boy, I got in a fight with some city kid. I went to church, you know, and I said, it's just not for me. And so, but anyway, she kept asking me. She got me there once when I was about 16. The pastor caught me after church and started talking to me. And I sat there just giving him the stare. He said, you're not listening, are you? I said, no. And I'm fixing to tell my sister about it when I get out of here. <laughs> now, listen, that's a shame, but that's, I wasn't saved. But she didn't quit. She kept working on me. So my brother-in-law got saved, a different brother-in-law. He kept working on me. So one day, I'm February, early March, I go to his house. He's out rabbit hunting. He comes in, puts his gun up. He'd shot a couple of rabbits. And he said, Johnny, he pulled out a, a gospel track. He said, nobody's here but me and you. He said, I want you to read this. This is Ricky Burden. He said, he said, I want you to read this. And I, I, matter, I, remember, I remember saying this actually in front of Sam one time, and he, Brother Sam, and he, he laughed because it was John R. Rice's pink track. What must I, I almost, I'm not, I almost didn't take it. I just didn't like that color. And anyway, he handed it to me and I took it. And he said, will you promise me you'll read that? I said, I promise. He left and I did. I kept my promise. I read every word of that. I literally remember reading the word copyright. <laughs> and I went to the door of the house. I was 17 years old. I raised on Roy Rogers and John Wayne. I didn't cry. And I opened that door because I felt some emotion. And I was afraid somebody would see me cry. And I remember opening the door of the, of the thing and I remember saying, Jesus, this is true. I, I don't want to go to hell. I want to be saved. I read it. I want you to come to my heart and save me. Now I want to tell you something. Based on the authority of the scripture, I got saved that day. Amen. Amen. But I didn't have that no soul salvation. This is where this is very important. There are a lot of people out there that may, maybe not a lot of people, but some that maybe have asked the Lord to save them and they got that, but you need to have that no soul salvation. So I went to church that next Sunday at a different church. I guess I did that because I saved and didn't even know it. I went on my own. I went to Sunday school and the preacher, the Sunday school teacher asked a question from the Bible and I raised my hand as a teenager and answered it. All the other teenagers were laughing and goofing off and they were the members. You know how that is. And, and so he said, are you saved? I said, no, I don't guess. And so another week goes by, March 16th, 1975. I go to Victory Baptist Church there in Bowling Green, Kentucky. That's where my sister went. She'd asked me to go. I show up, the preacher preaches. What does he preach? Everything. I mean, he was against everything I'd ever done. He even gave me some ideas of things I had never done. <laughs> I mean, and he preached and he preached and then he gave this thing called an invitation. Now, I want you to understand, I've maybe been to church seven, eight times in my life, you know, I just didn't go. And so here I was, he's preaching. He gives this thing called an invitation. He's inviting people to come forward. I kid you not, I'm not lying. I know sometimes people do that, but I'm telling you the truth. I'm on the back row. I'm holding on the pew in front of me. A different brother-in-law is right here. I had six sisters, remember? And so he, he got to come that day too. 
And he had had polio as a kid and his leg was a little bit off. And so he was here. And so I'm here and they're giving the invitation. They're singing just as I am. I don't remember what he preached, but I remember singing just as I am. And they're giving the invitation. And, and something inside me, it's called the Holy Spirit, was trying to get me to go forward. And I didn't want to go and I'm hanging on. And I remember thinking, I, I go, man, I'll cry. I'm 17. I don't want to cry. I'll cry. And I don't know that the Holy Spirit truly said this, but something in my head said, you, you, you don't have to cry. That's one option out of the way. So he's saying the verse again. And so I go, and I'm, I'm not, I'm being honest as I know how to be. <clears throat> I punched my brother-in-law. I said, if you'll go, I'll go. He said, I ain't going. I said, he ain't going. <laughs> I literally looked at him and said, he ain't going. I don't know. So they sang another verse and I wanted to go. And I, punched. I said, if you'll go, I'll go. He said, I ain't going. I said, he ain't going. And I didn't say it out loud, but I lifted my, I guess I was talking to God. I said, he ain't going. And they sang another crazy verse. And I turned around and said, you're going. And I shoved him out in the aisle. He about fell down. He took off down the aisle and I took off down the aisle. And I come down there. Preacher was standing down here to meet us. And I walked up. He shook his hand out, stuck mine out. He said, and young man, what have you come forward for? I said, I don't know. You told me to come. I thought you knew. <laughs> Brother, I did. I said that. He said, I do know. And they took me over and they took the Bible out, showed me the gospel that I'd already read, asked me to pray. I said, I don't know about pray. And they led me in a prayer. Stay with me. But as I was praying that prayer, I knew that I had got saved back in that room, that door opened. And God gave me what I call a no soul salvation. They brought me out there, put me on display in front of everybody. Everybody come by and shake your hand, you know. I don't know whether they did this every day or just forgot it on me, but they all turned and left church. I'm still standing there. I, I mean, everybody's leaving. Nobody told me to go anywhere. So finally I come, I said, well, I guess I can leave. I started walking down the aisle to leave. And you, you'll have to take my word for this. I don't, but I thought, I know it's not real, but it seems so real. I heard a voice say, you ain't saved. He even used bad grammar. That went through me so real that I stopped halfway up that, going out the door. I looked back and I started crying and I remember saying, well, yes, I am. God saved me and God changed my life. I, I say this all the time. He saved my life forever and a day or different phrases when I preached or taught or all the things God's did in my life. But I, I want people to know, all the people, I, I, I can't, judge anybody else or know who's saved or isn't saved, but I'm telling you, God changed my life. I mean, I mean, my language changed. I mean, my lifestyle changed. And so you need to have a no-soul salvation. Remember, we're talking about the grace of God here, amen? So number two, God said, you've stayed in the scriptures reading the word of God. And I remember this, my sister Sharon, thank God for your family, Amen. She came up to me that day I got saved. She came up to me. She said, now, Johnny, did y'all know that's my name? Okay. <laughs> when I got older, it became John. That just sounds better, you know, Brother John. But it was Johnny. My family called me Johnny. I said, Johnny, she said, this, listen, she said, this is the Bible. This is God's holy word. Take this and read it. And she handed it. It was a King James Bible. She handed it to me like that. I remember taking that and I remember thinking, Wow. Hallelujah, I got the word of God, amen. And she gave me that Bible and I took that Bible and I was staying with them. 
It was spring break in high school, my junior year. I had quit school for a while. I, went, I called the principal up, asked if I could come back. He said, coming back's okay, but staying's the hard part. I said, if I come back, I'll stay. And I went out for basketball, just have something to do to keep me in school. <laughs> and so it was basketball season and, uh, and we didn't do very well. And so we was spring break and I went to her house. That's when I got that assurance of my salvation. I was staying at their house, sleeping on what they call a rollaway bed. Y'all know what that is? They're, they're rollaway beds for short people. Because when I laid on that thing, my feet hung off one end, my head hung off the other end. And it was perfect for reading your Bible. I would lay my Bible down there on the floor and I, and I started reading the Bible. Where, where did you, and here, these, this, I'm telling the truth. I thought, well, how do I read? You got to understand, I wasn't raised in church. And, and, and so I'm like, well, I'm supposed to read it. She told me to read it. I want to read it. Where do I start at? And I started thumbing through it. I said, somewhere in the back of my mind, they said there's two books in here. Old Testament and New Testament. I remember figuring that out, you know. By the way, when you first get saved, all the stuff's new to you, you think you're doing pretty good, you know. And so I, I thought, well, here's my first compromise in life as a Christian. I'm going to start at Genesis and I'm going to start at Matthew. And let me tell you something. For 47 years, that's what I've done. Now, I'm not telling you that's the way to do it. Probably the worst way to do it. I don't know. But I've just never changed. I, I read more in the Old Testament. It takes longer to get through the Old Testament. Y'all know that's because it's longer, right? Okay. And in the New Testament, so I read more news. But I've just never changed. I still the way I do my devotions. I'm in Nehemiah right now, and I'm in the end of Mark and my other, in the New Testament. And I've just never changed. But here's the deal. God said, you need the Word of God. And I started memorizing it. You know, some of the, besides the Roman road, some of the first two verses I learned was this one. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there hath no temptation taken to you, but that which is common man, God's faithful to make a way of escape. I was a teenager. I learned that to help me. I would work at places and I'd be walking through there quoting it. And they said, what are you doing? I was quoting the Bible. What? That's crazy why you're doing that. I said, I'm not living like you. <laughs> it's helping me. And then the other one was, uh, whoso findeth a wife, find the good thing and take it from the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> if I, I, my first point here was, was no soul salvation. Second one is the scripture. If I had a sixth one, it would be submissive wife. But anyway, I'm not going to get there, but we got <laughs> God changed my life. Do you believe you have the word of God? Amen. I was talking to someone this week and, I, and, and, I, and I'm like, Jason, brother, pa Pastor Gaddis can handle all these things to you, but I believe I have the word of God. Amen. And that's just not because I'm stubborn and old fashioned. I mean, I've read and prayed and studied. I believe we have God's word. And I believe the devil's trying to do his best to get people all confused about a bunch of other stuff. And the, the memorizing is not working like it's supposed to. And I mean, something can contain something, but this is the real thing. Amen. And so we have the word of God. So that helped me. Let's move on. I don't know what time it is, but we'll get done when I'm there. And, uh, but I want to help you. I do. I want God to work through us. Father, continue to work through us. So I got a no-soul salvation. I got the scriptures, the word of God. I started reading them and studying them, memorizing them. And then the third thing was the church. I put sanctuary to help me remember it, but the church, Hebrews 10, 25, not forsaking the sending ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more. You see that day approaching. And by the way, I see that just seemed to be just the opposite. More churches are quitting and not having service and all those things. God didn't change. Well, so I wasn't used to going to church. I was used to going coon hunting on Saturday night and sleeping in on Sunday or going fishing, hunting or whatever, or just laying around being lazy. And so now I'm going to church. I'm saved. God's changing my life. I go to church. I went, he said, you need to come to Sunday school. Pastor did. Some of these pastors are mean. So you need to be here Sunday school. All right. You need to be here for Sunday morning. All right. 
So Sunday night, I was at the drive-in. Y'all know what a drive-in is? <laughs> Back there, they had one a long time ago. I'm not promoting this, but I remember watching Creature from the Black Lagoon. On <laughs> that was the name of it. I was in there watching it. And I'm going, you know what I'm doing? Listen, this is true. I'm, letting, I'm going, I wonder what they're doing at church tonight. <laughs> I wonder what's happening there. I had a friend with me and I said, what, what's going on? And I didn't never go back to one of those things again. I would start going to church on Sunday night. Amen. Preacher said, hey, we got service on Wednesday night. So I started going on Wednesday night. He said, uh, on Thursday nights, we all get together and go out and visit people. So I started going on Thursday night. I don't know if you ever met Bill Mosley or not. That was a, <laughs> he was the one doing it. He said, all right. So we started going on Thursday nights. He said, once a month on Fridays, we have this thing called youth rallies. So I started going to youth rallies. Brother Carson had them things up. Then he come to me. Now, y'all keep it up with this. It's Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday's month of the month. He said, all your friends at school say? I said, no. He said, you know where a lot of them live? I said, yeah. He said, meet me on Tuesday nights. <laughs> so I started meeting on Tuesday nights, going to my friends, leading them to the Lord. I'm telling you, I become a churchaholic. I was in church every time the doors was open. And by the way, folks, that's what it ought to be. Yes. Here's what happens. Let me put a little parentheses here. A lot of, maybe not here. I understand, maybe not. I don't know. But a lot of churches and people I, I talk to, the world around them has influenced them so much that even what we'd call good Christians feel like church is just a either or, take it or not. And, and it's not. Christ died for the church. He's the head of the church. I mean, this is his body. All those things that we study in Bible school and Sunday school, it's true. It's not just a saying. And, and it is important that you're here. And, and by the way, another parenthesis. I'm good about these parentheses. Don't let what I'm saying, Jason can solve anything I mess up on. But, and this may be not here again, because I, I think you have a great church. I know your pastor. I've watched the history. I watched you online. But too many people I'm running into this world is letting every little thing get to them and upset them and they whine and cry like a bunch of babies. Yeah. Y'all probably not doing that, but man, be a man, be a woman for God. Take a stand, die to yourself and let God work in your life. Amen? Amen. Here's another parenthesis. This is a joke. Then we're going to finish up, Brother Jackson, I promise. So here, here, here's a guy, his little boy and his mother, and they live in the city. And she takes him, we'll say Texas, not Oklahoma. She takes him to Texas. <laughs> and they're downtown Texas and they're walking around and this guy comes out and he's bow-legged. This boy had never seen somebody like that. He said, look, mama, that man done funny looking legs. She popped him upside the head. That's back when you could do that. And uh, <laughs> said, son, don't talk about that guy's legs. He's probably a cowboy, probably rides horses for a living. Don't worry about it. So they go on a little bit further. Here come another guy around the bow leg. He said, Mom, there's no one. She said, you keep doing that. I'm going to take you back to the room and make you read Shakespeare for two weeks. Well, lo and behold, he tried to keep back, but there come a bow-legged cowboy, hit a girl that was not in need, put them together, spell ox. I mean, he's like, I mean, he, he had to say something. He said, he said, Mama, look at that guy. She said, that's it. He had to go read Shakespeare for two weeks. She said, you think you can behave yourself? He said, yes, ma'am. So they went back down Texas, Dallas, wherever, walking down through there. Sure enough, here came a boy like a man. You know what that boy did? He said, Hark, mother, what manner of man are these that wear their legs in parentheses? <laughs> he learned his lesson. The church, 
Salvation. No soul salvation. I know this is basic, but I got news for you. If you read the Bible years and years and years, you're going to find out it's always the basics. That's where we lose it. No soul salvation. Being in the church. Uh, uh, number three is prayer. She said, Johnny, you need to pray for your lost friends and your sisters and brothers. And so I started praying. Supplication was a word I used, but Matthew 6, 6 teaches us that if we pray in the prayer closet, and by the way, I have a whole message God gave me on that that really stirred my heart. He rewards us openly. I've been rewarded openly here lately. That helps me know that my prayers in my prayer closet, God's working with. Amen. And so, uh, but prayer, I started praying and uh, I was at Bible college and um, I was praying and, and Dr. John R. Rice was still living at that time. He came through. Uh, had sore Lord, had a big display of all these books up there. And he had this book, literally this book right here, except it was newer with all the other books, brand new books for sale. He said, and they were on sale for college students for $3, $3. You can't even buy a Hardy's biscuit for that now. But anyway, three days, or Carl, whatever y'all have here. I didn't have $3. And I wanted that so bad because I was praying my way through college. And I said, Lord, I actually got a little aggravated. I said, here I am, God, you brought me off. I know y'all would never do this, but I'm just being real with you. Uh, you brought me off this college and I don't have no money and I'm praying my way through and, and there's a book on prayer and I'd like to have it and, and, and I didn't get it and blah, 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 blah. The next morning I went to my mailbox, you college students know, at 1032, I still remember opening it up and this book was stuck in there, brand new. And it said, I hope, John, I hope this book will be a real blessing to you. I trust you will read it, apply it to your life. God bless you. I don't know who bought it for me, but God gave me that book, that very book right there. He changed my life. Now, I know I seem silly. You, listen, remember I told you when we started, this is my testimony. Everybody's testimony is different. You don't have the personality I have. And you're probably thankful for that <laughs> and, and all these things. But I, I went to college and I, I, had, a, I had a 62 Chevy, Chevrolet, red Chevrolet Impala, 283 it was cool. And I had a, I had a Honda motorcycle because I couldn't afford a Harley. It was a 350, but I had a, a 10 inch extension and a sissy bar on the back. I thought I was cool anyway. And I had, got to go to college. I sold the motorcycle, sold the car, kept my guns. And uh, <laughs> I was out of debt, but I had no money. My older brother just passed away a couple of months ago. He was 12 years older than me. And I went to him, told him I was going to Bible college. He said, Bible college? Yeah. I said, I don't know how I'm going to get there though. He said, oh, you don't want to go to Bible college. He said, you just need another car. I'll stick around, I'll buy you a car. I said, no, I'm going. I'm going to go to college. He said, well, you, you, you determined? I said, I'm determined. He said, well, let me help you. And he gave me a $100 bill. I often wonder what kind of car he was going to buy me. But anyway, he gave me a $100 bill. I paid the bus ticket. I got up there, had about $40 left. I walked up to the place. I'm telling this when the college kids aren't here, okay? And the, the place where, the, where they check you in, you know? And I, I, you just got to know me. I walk up, I said, well, I'm here. <laughs> I told them my name. They looked up and said, yeah, your name's here. They said, that'll be, and it was so many hundred dollars. And I smiled real big. I said, hey, is this Christian college? And she said, yeah. I said, y'all believe in living by faith? She said, yeah. I said, I do too. And God's going to pay my bill. And she went. As <laughs> a brother Perkle, one of them with the money guys come over there. Brother, one of them come over there. And she told him when I said, and he looked at me and he goes, let him in. <laughs> let him in. I got news for you. God paid my bills. God gave me a job when 12 other people were ahead of me. I prayed. I'd go over there and I'd get on my knees underneath a little sink 
in that dorm room and I said, oh God, help me. I'm willing to work. I'll do what you want me to do. I need you to answer some prayers for me. And I looked for that job and the guy said, there's 12 guys ahead of you the next day after praying. He said, you want that job? You got it. I got it. Cleaning. Nobody else really wanted it. It's cleaning toilets. But anyway, <laughs> I took the job. You had to have a tie. I'm not rambling, Jason. I really wanted to get this. I, you had to have a you know, tie. The only tie I ever had in my life was a blue FFA tie, Future Farmers of America. I won that for going every day of school one year. It was the only year of dinner. And uh, so you had to have wear ties. And the church that I was a member of, they raked up money and gave me, I think, three, $25 and two or three ties. But I had to have one because the clothes I was wearing belonged to a student that had already quit and I got his old clothes. And so I, it was brown. I needed some kind of a brownish tie. And I'm walking up the interstate praying, God, I need a tie. I need a brown tie. And there it was on the side of the road in the interstate. I took it off the body. No, it wasn't on the body. <laughs> that part's not true, but the tie was... But the tie was laying on the interstate, probably blowed out of the window, but God answered my prayer. I prayed for shoes. I prayed for my bill. I got called to the dean's office. And I was trying to figure out what I'd done or maybe trying to figure out how I got caught. <laughs> and he said, somebody from North Carolina just sent you $50. You know anybody in North Carolina? I said, no, but give me their address. <laughs> I'm just saying, by the way, can I say this? Yes, that's my testimony. God's still doing that. When I was praying about coming out here, and I, and I believe with all my heart and soul, God, a few weeks ago, I went through a praying about some things with God and seeking God and had to surrender some things. And my wife doesn't do real well traveling and we were just praying about things. But I got a fire in my bones. I want to do something for God. I don't want to just fizzle out. And I was praying and we had no money. And I hate saying that because God's taking care of us. I don't mean it that way. But I mean, I'm a very frugal, debt-free, you know, like that, but all that kind of stuff. But I was praying. This little church that had me pray, preach with them, pray, preach for them every once in a while, and they'd give me $100 for Sunday morning, Sunday night. I'm not worth that, but I'm just saying. Well, the Sunday I decided I was going to do all this, and I was praying about coming out here, I went to preach for them, and they gave me a check for $500. and said, we want to help you with your trip. I didn't know they even knew about the trip. And that happens, over, and it's not always money, but money seems to be a thing that people see and get. God just orchestrates things. Do you, do you serve a living God? I do. And I put myself intensely sometimes in positions where I know God's going to have to, I don't mean do something evil or wrong or ungodly. You don't ever do that. But I want to know that God is real. I have a prayer book and a prayer in my prayer in the back. I put down there. I don't just write my prayers down or call my prayers out. I go over here and put the answers down. That's the fun part. I think a lot of people, Jason, Brother Jason, it's hard to, I'm trying to, maybe, maybe don't, maybe they pray, but do you really see God answer some prayers? Are you specific about it? We got to go quick. I don't know why he told me I had all the time I wanted, but anyway. <laughs> These are things, let, let me, let me re rehash real quick. I was seriously praying and God meditating. God put on my heart. John, there's, there's four or five things you've been doing ever since you got saved that's helped you maintain that grace that I'm giving you. And that's real. And so I know it's the grace of God. I, man, I know it's the grace of God. But I, I know this. God's helped me not to quit knowing I'm saved, for example, but being a member of church, staying involved in a church, 
looking for things to do sometimes in the church. That's not, you don't really have to do that if you're busy. You stay pretty busy. I'm still praying and seeing God answer prayers. And then this book, then soul winning was the last one. I'd say separation because I believe it's very important. But the truth of the matter is, if you do what I've said, you will be a separated Christian. I remember witnessing a lot of my friends in school and I was separated pretty quick. So I got saved. So my friends were lost and I wrote about them in this little book. I don't have any now. Uh, I'm, I got a church going to help me reprint some of them and uh, may not be worth reading, but they got some funny stories in them, but true stories. But my friends were Flash. The Flash, his name was Dennis. We called him the Flash. <clears throat> How many of you know what muscle cars are and stuff like that? Some of you guys, you know, we, we were in the cool days, you know. Me and him both had 70 Camaros. I had a gray 70 Camaro, uh, positive traction rear end, in the automatic in the floor and all that. He had a four-speed blue 70 Camaro, but he also had a 55 Chevy that we fixed from the ground up, made it, painted it sort of a yellow color. It, it, was, it was cool cars, you know. So they called him the Flash. He was flashy. I got saved. I started witnessing to him. For nine months, I couldn't even get him to come to church with me. Every Monday morning at school, I'd tell him what the preacher preached Sunday. He, he told me this later after he did get saved. He said, I'd see you coming. I'd say, oh no. You know? And so I'd go to school and I'd witness to him. I'd pray. Every three months or so, I'd go to my pastor and weeping my eyes out saying, he ain't never going to get saved. By the way, I wish I still had that burden I had then and that heart. And I'd cry like a baby and say, God, please. You know, he's, I don't want him to die. And after nine months, we had revival. I said, will you come? He said, I'll be there Monday night. He came Monday night. We're sitting in the pew. I'm right here. This is the aisle. He's right here on the second row back from the front. The preacher preaches. He's giving the invitation. I'm praying, oh, God, help Dennis get saved. Help the flash get saved. Oh, God, get saved, please. And I'm serious. I mean, I'm praying. I'm, I'm crying. Oh, God, I finally got him here. Let him get saved. And I felt something pushing against me. They're singing the invitation. And, and I said, no, Lord, I'm going I'm to, you know, in your mind, you're praying this. I'm going to turn and ask him. If he'll go forward, and, I, and he's pushing up, I looked over. I said, I said, Dennis, would you like to go forward? He said, I'm trying to get out of you, move. <laughs> I being in the way, the Lord led me. And so <laughs> I got out of the way. We went down the altar, and he got saved. Amen. He said, guess what? He said, tomorrow night's Tuesday night. You're going to be here? He said, yeah. He said, hey, come get me early. My girlfriend lives over here in Muhlenberg County, and we're going to go over and get her. And we went and got his girlfriend, and coming back, I witnessed her all the way back. She got saved at church that night. I'm saying soul winning. And all these fellas that got saved and, and more to be saved, we have to keep these things in our life. I'm going to say one more little funny thing here and we're done. That's a true story though. So my kids, I have six of them, so the youngest two are still in school. They're not now. One of the young one just turned 26 today. Uh, but they were, we lived in Clarksville or outside of Clark, really near Guthrie. But we have pastored in Clarksville for 16 years. God, and by the way, I can tell you, answered prayer to prayer to prayer to prayer, where God opened doors for chairs and pews and everything else. I'll tell too. So I took them to a school a different way one time, and I drove past this dairy farm, Holstein cattle. And I'm a country boy. I love, I, I've got six black baldies right now at my brother, son-in-law's house. But anyway, so we're, we're driving down through there, and, and I, I, he had a Jersey caliper by herself. I had about 150 head of Holstein one jersey. That, that got to gnawing on my, why does he have the one jersey? Does he just milk her for herself? It has a better butter fat. And I'm thinking about all this kind of stuff, you know. And, and we'd drive by the school. Finally, I said, I almost like him. 
So I pulled in, pulled in behind the barn. He was over there working on a tractor, but everybody knows all farmers are always working on a tractor or something. He's working. I got out and met him. And uh, I, I said, uh, my name's John Dalton. I said, I pastor Gateway Baptist Church about 20, 30 miles down the road here. My kids go to school down here at Springfield. And I said, uh, I drove by and I noticed you had this Jersey cow up here. And he said, who, who are you? I said, I'm sorry, my name's John Dalton. I'm pastor of such and such church. I said, what's your name? He said, David. I said, David, let me, I said, I pastor this church, but I was driving by and I saw you. He said, how do you know you're a preacher? I said, well, I said, well God called me to be a preacher. I said, that jury, how come, how come you got that Jersey caliper? He said, he said, so a person can know God's called him to be a preacher? I said, I'm about to get aggravated. I, I said, David, I said, look, how come you got that Jersey cow up there? And, and, and he just looked at me and he said, I've often wondered if a person could know. And finally the Holy Spirit goes, Pow! witness to him. I said, I said, David, do you know the Lord's your Savior? He said, no. And I walked over to my Bible, showed him how to get saved right there by that tractor. And he trusted Christ as a Savior. I got up to leave. He said, come back sometime. I'll tell you about that Jersey cow. <laughs> Y'all thinking, some of you are thinking, that's all made up. That's my life. I live that way. It's exciting. Amen? I'm not telling these to brag on me. I'm telling you to tell you that God changed my life. And I like to know that God's real in my life and to see those things. We were pay, praying for pews in our church. We had Walmart blue chairs when we first started. You know, a few months into it, we were growing a little bit, and some of the older people, people my age now, came to me and said, "You know, we really need some shoes, something a little softer." And we're serious. And so I, I felt like it was. A, we started praying. It got our prayer book. God, we need some. And by the way, let me let me say this: I started a church. I didn't get a salary. All I was getting was what y'all was sending me. <laughs> I mean, church is sending in, and so we were. God was blessing though. We were we were going at it. And some guy called us. He had in Wrightsville Beach, North Carolina, from Clarksville, Tennessee. It's a pretty good drive. He called and said, we've got all of our old pews, which are in good shape. We're doing a brand new building. You can have them if you come and get them. I said, that's the kind of price I like. So we drove. Me and two or three of the men in the church left one night, drove all night, got there. See, Everybody doesn't have to be this ignorant, but it helps to have faith in God. And after we got there, one of them said, how are we going to get them back? <laughs> uh, so I said, well, we'll rent a couple of 24-foot trucks and, and get them back. And they said, who's going to pay for it? And I said, God help me. They'll never follow me if you don't do something. <laughs> Brad, one of the guys said, I got a debit, a credit card. I didn't have one. He said, I got a credit card here. We'll just put on that and pay back later. I said, that's what we'll do. <laughs> and we got back, two pews, two trucks full of them. We had so many that when we got them all in the church, we had 10 big 16-footers left over. I asked him, I said, how much did it charge you on the card? He wound up paying $1,500 for that trip out there and back. So we sold the pews for $1,600, made 100 bucks. <laughs> God's good, isn't he? I'm about done. I want to thank Pastor for letting me be here and, 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 and share with you. And I don't always just do this. I, I can preach straight through the Bible, and that's what I normally do. But I, I wrestle with this message for a few days, praying about it, because I know it's kind of 
seem like self-grandizing here. But if you knew what God saved me from, I can, I can show you where my nephew drowned or stabbed and thrown in the river. I can, I can show you where they went to pen. I can, you know, I can, y'all know that. I got family members this day I wouldn't trust in my house because of the drugs are on and all that kind of stuff. But by God's grace, for a reason only he knows, after he saved my sister Sharon, he, he wound up getting hold of me and calling me to preach. And of course, I was ordained at Grace. I was called to preach years later, but I was just ignorant about things. I preached every time I got a chance, but I still work, you know, did youth and college age and all that. Jamie got a chance to lead Shannon to the Lord. And God just, he is, I wish I could just <clears throat> say to you how good he is. Oh, I just seen that bunch up there. I have to do the whole message over. <laughs> Was y'all listening? <laughs> and I said, God, I want you to use us tonight. And I felt like God kept saying, tell him your testimony. And that's what I've done. And I have a lot of humor and tell some stories. But as far as I know, everything I told you is true. And there's many more I could I won't go into. I believe this book's the Word of God. I believe people lost and died and going to hell. I believe we need to be very serious about having church members be what they ought to be in a church and we ought to be planting more churches. I'm tired of hearing about so many of them falling and folding. We just need to keep at it. I believe we ought to learn to pray and get a hold of God. And by the way, if we truly pray for revival, it isn't going to happen if it's just nonchalant. It isn't going to happen if you're just a half-hearted go to church here and go to church there and, you know, I can take it or leave it. It's not going to happen. God's not going to play with that. We have a serious God. And I've asked God to help you today. I don't know what it might be. I'm going to start with the invitation, turn over to Pastor Gaddis, and he can clean the mess up. But please, y'all, this is a great church. I watch online as often as I can. Two or three churches, this is one of them. And, and I appreciate what God's doing here and the college, all the things that's associated with it. And there's others. The church we're from, Shenandoah, we, we thank the Lord for that. And the the, the Frankensteins drove all the way out here to hear me preach. <laughs> and uh, God's good, though. I, I want to thank Him for giving me this opportunity. Please, please think this way. Let's bow our heads. Let's bow our heads bowed and eyes closed. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I had a lot of fun with you, and I went a little extra longer than I normally would. I know that. But I, I, I want you to... Right now, ask the Lord to speak to your heart. Can I be serious? Are you reading your Bible consistently? And that, you may even fail from time to time, but don't quit. You're reading it, and you're reading it to hear God speak to you. Do you have a no-soul salvation? I don't, I don't believe in tricking people into thinking they're lost. That's not what I'm saying, but have you truly trusted Christ and Him alone for salvation? Do you love this church if you're a member here? He said something about some, about some of you just fresh members. Get involved. You're, you're not involved in a, a ball game or a club. You're involved in what God's involved in. And that's important. Are you seeing some prayers answered? Are you mad because you've been praying about certain things for so long and it hadn't happened? My wife's father just got saved about a year ago after 40-something years of us praying for him. Don't quit praying. Father, please, I, I, I feel, I don't live by feelings, but Lord, I, I feel like this church is so, such a good church that I probably didn't have anything to say. But Holy Spirit, please work in their lives and help them to be obedient. Help me to be obedient to you. 
please help them. I, I thank you for the laughter and the fun things. I, I'm, I'm very awkward about all the stories I told about myself. I pray you'd help them forget those things. But remember who you are and that we serve a God that's changed my life, kept me faithful. I want to be found faithful. God, work in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Brother Jason.